Hello and welcome to the Middle Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa and I am coming to you from a very snowy Boston, Massachusetts, where we are expecting more snow later in the week. As always, I am joined by my trusty co-host, Maeve Kitty. Before we get started tonight, I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has liked, shared, and subscribed to this podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Thank you. Tonight, I bring you a conversation that I had with my Facebook friend, Perrin. Perrin lives in Montreal, Canada. We talk about being middle-aged metalheads, about concerts we've been to, concerts we're hoping to go to, and the bands that we love. We also talk a little bit about parenting, which, full disclosure, I have no children, but I do have 13 nieces and nephews, so I can kind of hold my own in this conversation. We also talk a little bit about sports. Today is February 8th. It's the day after the Super Bowl. And this year, it was won by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's sort of bittersweet for us here in New England because our old quarterback, Tom Brady, is now their quarterback. And he took us to nine Super Bowls, and we won six. And he's taken them down to win their second in their franchise history and his seventh. So congratulations to them. I have some family that are Bucks fans and they are just absolutely over the moon and I'm happy for them. I heard this really great analogy this morning about Tom Brady and and Rob Gronkowski is also down there now. And it was, it's like watching your ex fall in love with someone else. You're happy for them because you want them to be happy, but you're also sad for yourself. And that's kind of how I feel. And I think that's kind of how most people feel. Most people that I know here in New England were rooting for the Bucks and rooting for Tom and uh, Rob and wanting them to do well and wanting them to win. So congratulations to them. And now, without further ado, on to episode number nine, my chat with Perrin from Montreal. Episode number eight. Did I lose? Oh, there you go. I thought we lost you. I thought I lost you. Are you there? I'm here. I'm here. So I am here with my very special guest, Perrin. He is my Facebook friend from Montreal, and he's a metalhead, and he's been a journalist, and we're going to chit-chat about all things metal and a few things sports. How are you today? I am awesome. Thank you for keeping me inside on this cold, freezing day in the suburbs of Montreal. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I was in Montreal in 2019 uh, for Iron Maiden, which you and I were at the same show. Yeah, I think we've and, probably been to a lot of the same shows oh, without even been knowing it. Tons of the same shows um, because you've been to shows in Boston and I've been to shows up there. So we've definitely, and if we haven't been in the same show, we have been, we have found out that we've been to all the same tours. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like a window into that. So one thing I'm doing to get through the pandemic and the boredom and quarantines and anything that's going on, it's probably a little different here than there, but we are kind of all in the same boat. 
that on Facebook, as much as I can, I share my concert memories. And, you know, luckily, I'm one of those people who remembers 30 years ago like it was yesterday. But for whatever reason, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. But, you know, I luckily, the long-term memory is there. So with that and setlist.fm, which is a great website, if you've never checked it out, I've been able I to do, archive yeah. all the concerts I've gone to, which are hundreds, just for yes. different reasons. Yeah, mentioned. and Absolutely. journalist, uh, you know, stuff like that, done a few different things. Uh, so, yeah, so I've been documenting these concert anniversaries and like. I, I know and you, you helped me to do that, too. I was like, yeah, let me let me do that as well. So I've been I've been trying to do that Locking as in your memory. Trying to, yeah, yeah. And and like we were just talking about on Facebook about um, uh, Sons of Apollo, because you went yeah. like February 3rd last year and I went February 5th here in Boston. And that was the last show I've seen. And it was the last show I've seen. So, I mean, that's the crazy thing, right? I share all these concert anniversaries, and it feels like I have a concert on anniversary every couple days because I've seen hundreds. Yep, yep. But it's now been a year since I've gone to a live show. And if you're anything like me and a lot of your viewers are anything like us, that's our lifeblood. That's what keeps us going, you know, like at least when you're having a hard day at work or having Absolutely. whatever's going on in life. At least you have that concert coming up next week, next month. Tickets yep. are going on sale. So, yep. you know, it's one thing we've all lost during this pandemic. Like, you know, we got the music, we got the CDs, it's on our phones. But that rush of live music, I think we're all missing it. So at very I'm, least, I'm, we can talk about it. I'm missing it terrible, terrible. I mean, I would go to like two, three shows a week because I, I go to club shows. I go to mid-tier shows. I go to the big shows. I travel for shows. I travel the world to see Iron Maiden. They're my favorites. Um so uh, you know, I I plan my I plan my vacations around <laughs> shows. Yeah, so I mean, it's like every you know everything. Like this year, I was supposed to go to Australia, New Zealand, in May wow. to see Iron Maiden. So you're hardcore. See, so Maiden is the band I've actually seen the most, and we could talk yep. a bit about that. It was the band I saw first. It's the band I've seen most, uh, and I've traveled you know, in North America to see them, but I've certainly not gone to Australia or to yeah. New Zealand. So that's, that's pretty hardcore. That's pretty hardcore. And I could imagine that that would be amazing. Hopefully it happens for you. I know. I, I'm, I, I waited my whole life to go to Australia because I always wanted to go to Australia and New Zealand anyway. And I was like, yep, this is a great combination. I went to see Legacy of the Beast in 2018 in Paris. Um, that was a fan club trip. And there was the two shows in Paris, and I, I went to those. I wish I had gone to more shows when I was in Europe, but I was with a friend of mine, and she wanted, she kind of wanted to do some traveling, so we we traveled around Europe. So we did the two shows, and then we, you know, traveled around Europe. But I really wish that I had gone to more shows while I was over there. And then well, we were supposed to go. It's not cheap either, right? It's not it's not cheap no. to go to shows anymore, right? I mean, no, so we. My, only... I always tell people my first show was Iron Maiden on the Power Slave tour. And tickets were a whopping thirteen fifty Canadians, and you probably yep. remember those days too. You know, I do. So I saw that now. They're not thirteen fifty Canadian, and even not even, even with close. Inflation, you know, you're talking at least probably one hundred fifty. So, you know, absolutely. No, it's it's expensive. It's expensive to go. You know, and if you and if you're driving there and you have to pay for parking, or you know, and then the beers are twelve bucks a whack, and and then you know. Like we travel, like I said, I, I travel up there, went up to Montreal. So I had a, you know, I flew up there, got a hotel, you know, you got, got to eat, you, you know, flew. that's an easy drive. You got to drive up to Montreal, five hours, bing, bang, boom. We zipped. It was like under an hour. We, well, you know, we flew in because it was a fan club trip. Uh, and so, 
so we did so we flew and then and then we took a bus from there to Quebec City to see the show in Quebec City. And then and we flew from really Quebec cool. City like, back I'll tell you, home. As, as rabid as Montreal is for Iron Maiden, and like Maiden have always said Quebec is their number one market in North America. Yep. yep. But Quebec City, because it's a bit of a smaller city than Montreal, and they get visited a little less frequently, Quebec City is nuts when it comes to Iron Maiden. Because I've oh, seen them yeah. Unbelievable. That show was, that show, what a great city. I, I was there once before, very briefly, back, if you remember, the Nordiques. Yeah. I uh, went to see uh, the Bruins play the Nordiques. I don't even know what year, 92, something like that. I don't even know. It was so long ago. And it was see, like a bu- hockey score, as you mentioned that, because the Canadians have an afternoon game. See, I'm checking. As you're, <laughs> That's okay. Jog That's, my memory. Yeah. So, so we, so we went, you know, we took a little potty buses up and back. I, so I never saw, I didn't see anything of the, of the, of the town that I, you know, we went up there, but, uh, but it was actually the same place that I saw Iron Maiden. It was the same venue, the, whatever it's called, Videotron or whatever it's. Yeah, Videotron. Actually, you probably saw a game in the old Coliseum that is where the Centre Videotron is. Oh. So they, they, so they knocked down the Colisee where the Nordics used to play and right. where there were a lot of concerts. And they literally built the Videotron Center right across the parking lot. Oh, and for, okay. And actually, for a bit, they were both there because obviously they didn't, you know, right. knock down the old one until they built the new one. So, but you, so you were at the same spot, but just uh, probably a few hundred feet over. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, we we had a great time. We had a great time there. What a great, what a great city. And Montreal was great. And we did the bus tour. We toured around because for some reason I hadn't been to Montreal like I hadn't really spent any quality time in Montreal and so when we went last year we were able to you know stay there for a few days and and uh get around and um and we went to that club that closed uh what's the name of that club I want to say Barracuda no we went to the Piranha Oh, the, yeah, was, the Piranha Bar is still a pretty well-known venue on St. Catherine Street. Yeah, and we went there. That's where, and a lot of the, that's where a lot of the smaller, like, you know, if Blaze Bailey comes, he'll play there. Right. Uh, Steve Grimm and a Grim Reaper played there. Uh, you know, so yeah, Tim Ripper Owens. So like, yeah, the smaller shows yeah, will right. play at the Piranha. And then we went to that one that was that's closed now. Um, but I don't oh. know what it's called. It starts with a B. Unfortunately, there's a lot of them. What does it start with? It starts with a B. Well, there was uh, the brick, but that's, uh, no, no, that's a I long time ago. I'll have I to think. look and see what it is because I I saw something something popped up or somehow, and I said to my friend, "Oh no, that place is gone." Remember we went to that place, so we went to a few a few. Uh, there's a lot of nice, but you know, places there. You know, a lot of clubs. You know, a lot of bars. You know, because it's it's the metal, right? Montreal is metal, right? It's the, yeah, it's I mean, Montreal me- is definitely the metal capital of Canada, and I mean, and if you talk to a lot of bands, they'll say, you know, Montreal, you know. Detroit, Chicago, Boston, like the big centers. So like, you know, it's, it's so Montreal's definitely like, you know, there's bands that if they only do one Canadian date, you'd think they play Toronto. Like I remember when Halloween did their Pumpkins United tour, Montreal was the only Canadian date. Oh, interesting. And they also, a lot of bands will do that. That there's this, it's, you know, cause it's the European thing, right? So a lot of the things that Europeans like, people in Montreal like, cause right. we're probably as close as you can get to right. Europe without going to Europe. Whereas right. Toronto is more like an American city or even right. Vancouver is like an American city. So, exactly. you know, and that's the good thing about being here. It's like, I, you know, different people I chat to like you, you know, will, will be like, wow, you're so lucky. Like, you know, I'm from Milwaukee and Montreal gets so many more shows. Like, so Boston, you know, you guys get everything just like, you know, and, and we get well, most Well, occasionally we don't. I mean, sometimes I've had to go, I've had to go to New York City to see some shows that um, people, like, for some reason, Doro Pesh never plays here. Yeah, I can't remember the last time Doro. See, 
you mentioned I used to live in San Francisco. So, uh, you know, I, I saw Doro there a few times. I think, but th here's the thing. I think Doro lives in New York area now. I think she lives in Long Island. So, uh, no one I thought she was still, she doesn't live in, I thought she was still living in New Jersey, um, in Germany, but. No, no. I mean, that's, you know, it's funny, like, uh, Wolf Hoffman from Accept lives in Nashville, and I'm pretty sure Doro lives in the New York area, or, or you know, they could have residences in both places. Yeah, right, but, uh, right. Yeah, but yeah, so sometimes people will just stick close to home, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes routing is what it is, and we just need to well, travel to our favorite band. Also, you know, the promoters, you know, have to, you know, they have to be invited. You know, the promoters have to ask because she did play New Hampshire, and you know, she did play New Bedford, which is Massachusetts, but it's right on the Rhode Island line. But she never really it's comes here. But there's, yeah, there's Promoter. just some bands that just don't come here. Yeah, I mean, and again, like you said, though, it's not the band, right? The band right. can play anywhere. A right. promoter needs to be willing to meet their guarantee exactly, uh, and feel like they can sell enough tickets to break even or make some money. So you're right. I'm sure most bands will say to you, like for, for years, Maiden did not do many American shows. Right. Uh, and uh, people would be like, well, Maiden don't like the States or why don't Maiden, you know, come to Florida or whatever it might be. And it's just simply that, you know, Maiden are such a global band that they could go to Europe or even India and Asia right. and just make a fortune. If they're going to come here, the promoter needs to meet their guarantee. And, uh, you know, that's why sometimes with some Maiden tours, you know, now they're doing more complete tours. But, I mean, there were some tours, Dance of Death and the Blaze Years, where, you know, there might have been only 10 or 15 North American shows. I saw Dance of Death in in New York, as a matter of fact. There you go. See, they and I think they only did about a dozen North American shows for that. So, again, yeah. luckily, Montreal and Quebec City had dates. Yep. Because yep. Montreal, uh, Maiden never skips Montreal, but, uh, you know, or unless the building's not free. But, yeah, right. sometimes it's just a matter of the promoter and that sort of thing. I saw, uh, you know, they came here with Blaze. They came here both both times with Blaze. They played, yep. obviously, they played smaller. They played the Orpheum Theater, which you may have been to. Yeah, I, I'm aware of the Orpheum. See, and the, so with Blaze, Montreal is the only North American city where they didn't play buildings as big as they did at Bruce. But they right. still played big arenas. Like, I mean, for the X Factor, actually, an, an anniversary I'm going to share this week is the X Factor tour at, in Montreal. Uh, I think it's 25 years ago now. I think it was 96. So yep. uh, I'll be sharing that anniversary this week. And it, it played like our, our small arena, the Verdun Auditorium, which is still 5,500 people. And there weren't a lot of 5,500 seaters on the X Factor tour. I mean, no. they were playing Harpo's in Detroit. They were playing... Maritime Hall in San Francisco, like you said, they played the Orpheum, which is not a bad size, but it's not an and arena. I know? think, and then the next, the the next tour after that, they played the Avalon Ballroom, which is now the House of Blues, which is even smaller. Yeah, there you go. And see, we got them in a tennis stadium, but it was still a pretty. Again, it, that was also probably one of the bigger North American shows. But it's just you know, again, Montreal's very European, and even without Bruce, uh, they were somewhat of a draw here. You know, in those. In those tough 90s, uh, you know, those were some tough mm. lean years in the 90s. The lean years, people. yeah. So go like back I, to the so I, I had to go see, um, can you hear me? I hear you fine. All right. Something's wrong with my, um, these things are acting up. So, like, I had to go to New York to see Bruce on, on his tour, his solo tour. He, he didn't come here. Yeah, I, yeah I, Bruce, Bruce played, played here for Tatum's Millionaire. Uh, but he uh, didn't but come he here on any of his other records, records, which is he, tough. Because I yeah. love those records. I I love, I love Chemical Wedding. I love Accident of Birth. 
but yeah, so he came to Montreal for uh, Tattooed Millionaire, which was great. I saw him in a small, small club, like 1,100 seats, uh, not even seats really. Uh, right. But that was the only time he ever came here solo for whatever reason, even though the city loves him. Yeah, yeah, us too, us too. And the other thing is like, for, whenever there's shows that are like uh, at um, Gillette Stadium or um, at Great Woods, which I think you've said you've been to Great Woods as well. Yeah, out in, well, God, was Mansfield. it called the Tweeter Center back then? I think yes. uh, these yeah. things change names every year, right? I know. So well, I, I think it's Xfinity now. I still call it Great Woods because that's what it was originally called. <laughs> yeah, and we all do that, right? So, yeah, so I remember, and I always bug my son about it because my son has just turned 16, and uh, I always tell him the first show he ever went to, he was in the womb because my wife was six months pregnant when we ventured down for OzFest in Mansfield because that was, if you remember, uh, where Priest got back together with Rob. Yep, correct. And the first dates uh, were as special guests on OzFest. So I just had to see that. So I remember the OzFest that year started in Hartford, and yep. Mansfield was the second show. Correct. So I got to see Rob Halford's second show back with Priest. So that was worth the, you know, six, you know, I'll give it an extra hour. Normally it's five hours to drive to Boston, yeah, that's, but that's, that's to get to Mansfield, it's an extra one. So it's six hours. And, uh, yeah, I, rem I remember seeing, uh, yeah, that was a crazy Ozfest. It was actually Sabbath, Judas Priest, Slayer, Black Label Society. On the side stage, you had Slipknot, who were, like, not big at the time, but it was was pretty crazy. So I, yeah. I, I always tell my son, there, yeah. in utero, that was his first show. It's a good show. It's a good show to go to. I was there as well. And, uh, you know, that's, but, you know, that's like an hour away from my house, you know. Sometimes it's easier for me to, uh, and even Worcester, where a lot of shows, now a lot of shows, they have a lot of shows in Worcester now, which is another hour from my house. Yeah. I never went to the Centrum, but I, I remember there were like a lot of shows at the Centrum back in the day. Yep. Yep. And now the Palladium and, and, um, and so they have a lot of metal shows out there. So sometimes it's actually easier for me to just go to New York. To get on the yeah. bus, and just go go to New York City. Like you said, it's fun too. You know, it's, right. uh, it's interesting. Right. You combine stuff. You know, um, my friend and I have a place that we stay in Brooklyn, and we've been there a few times or whatever. And we have local restaurants that we go to, and you know, it's just it's 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 kind of like a second home. And we've sort of, you know, we really like it. We like going. The, we went there to see. Um, we went to New York to, to see the shows in Brooklyn, the Iron Maiden shows in Brooklyn as well. We went down there to see. Um, King Diamond. This is how crazy I am about going to shows. We had bought tickets to see Slayer, and they played in Springfield, which is over on by the Connecticut border. It's about a two-hour drive from here. And then King Diamond show, shows went on sale, and it was the same night in Worcester. And I said, well, what are we going to do? So he's playing the night before in New York City. So I said, well, we'll just go to New York City the night before to see King Diamond, and then we'll, we, we took the bus down, and we took the bus from from New York City to Springfield and met our friends there and then we drove back. That is hardcore. See, yes. I've had a few back I've had a few back to backs, but usually in the same city. Uh yeah, but that's that's pretty awesome. Well that yeah. is that is hardcore. See, and ah, oh, we miss those days. It's crazy. Like you just gotta hope that we can get back to that again. You know, I would I would give my teeth for like just a show right now. You know, just I, uh, know. I, I can't imagine the energy at shows. I I mean I hope we can have crowds, right? It's gonna be you know, energy is great, but if we go to these venues and in a thousand seater, you're allowed to put 250 people or in a 15,000 seater, you're allowed to put 4,000 people. It's going to feel weird. You know, I mean, Plus, we'll all be I mean, excited. If you've got to wear a mask or something, I mean, you're not going to be able to breathe. 
Look, look, we, the vaccine is starting to roll. Yeah. So, yep. and, and look, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, my thought is really that you're not going to see. And, and and that's the thing where you kind of mentioned I used to, I worked in the media a little bit. And I, I know a lot of guys who work on road crews and different things and our techs. And I know everyone's hopeful that there's going to be maybe big shows this summer. There's not going to be. And, no. and, and, it's, and it's as simple as that. Talking to people I know in the business, you know, bands would be booking their crew right now and reserving buses and... Right. I mean, tours don't just happen, right? You know, yeah, right. the tour starts in June, July, and August, but right. you know, you're you're arranging your transport, flights, hotels, crew. You're doing all the logistics, right? You know, now even earlier than now, right? And anyone I know on who work on crews for big, big, big bands, there's nothing happening. There's nothing moving. So I just think even some of the shows that are booked in the summer. You're going to see them get pushed back to fall and then get pushed back to 2022. Now, we might see smaller shows. Right. So if we only get bigger shows in the early part of 2022 and a big percent of the population is vaccinated, then maybe we'll have full attendance and no masks. Right. We can get back to some kind of normalcy in, exactly. in 2022. And uh, I mean, and you could, you know, have whatever political view you want. But that's just the reality is that. You know, yeah. insurance, insurance is a thing and, you know, the you know, it's not like the old days, right? All of these venues, all of the, everything, Live Nation is a corporate entity, Ticketmaster is a corporate entity. The venues are often owned by Live Nation or Ticketmaster. Nobody right. wants to get sued. Nobody right. wants, bands don't right. want to get sued, venues don't want to get sued. Absolutely. So every I is going to be dotted and every T is going to be crossed Absolutely. before we see big tours again. So, you know, we might see, you know, LA Guns at a bar in Danvers mm -hmm. or Salem or someplace. Right. <laughs> playing in front of 75 people right but right. we're not going to see Ozfest, or we're not going to see iron maiden until no. fog kind of clears so no iron maiden has 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 a has uh dates for this summer throughout europe yeah and like my friend who lives in ireland is like oh well you know you've, i've got tickets for um poland and i'm just like you know i i don't want to get tickets because even if the show happens i might not be able to get into the country yeah, or if you do, getting I mean, back I can't in even get into your country right now, and you're up the street. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's very complicated. It's very, very complicated. I'm going to check a hockey score again here. Okay, good. Go right Habs, are, Habs are winning, two to one, four minutes yeah. left. See, Melissa, I so wanted to talk to you. I'm missing the third period so we can talk metal. That's how much I love this stuff. Oh, I, I thank you. I thank you oh, so much. Metal trumps hockey for me. Yeah, I I love hockey too. So, uh, but metal metal does metal kind of trumps everything for for me. Especially and now. Uh, it, it, it's what I it's it's my whole life. It's you know what I mean. It's what I it's 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 obviously it's what my podcast is about. And like I said, it's what I I travel to see shows and and things like that. And that's where all my money goes is to. CDs it's important to have these things in life, right? like I say, that help us get through the next week, the next month, and and that's like again, that's it's it's so important to have these diversions, and I'm I'm completely with you. Like, uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, I haven't traveled as far as you, but I mean, I had tickets to go to the M3 festival in Baltimore. Uh, oh yeah, canceled. So that that you know, I was going to check that out for the first time, and, and again, I you know, I'm I'll drive down to Ozfest in Boston because Ozfest typically didn't come to Canada, and I'll. You know, I've seen Maiden in Quebec City, and if I happen to be in a city on business, I'll just, yeah. hey, what's happening? Yeah, I'll go to that, you know, and uh, so. That's and, it. And, and then, like I said, I lived in the Bay Area in the early 2000s, and, and you know, the funny thing is, you know, even for me, metal in the 90s got a little bit tough. A lot of the bands we loved went underground. Yep. There was a new generation of band that came out that I didn't like as much. I liked some of them, but not a lot me of too. them. 
But the cool thing is, moving to San Francisco, you know, Judas Priest would come to San Francisco with Tim Ripper Owens. And right. I, all the bands I grew up loving, I got to see in smaller places in right. San Francisco. So I kind of rediscovered my love of metal when I lived in San Francisco from 1999 to 2003, because that really is one of the metal capitals. So of your United kid, States. your kid, your kids were not born in the U.S. They were not. So my, we actually moved back to Canada to have our kids, and you oh. know, again, here in Canada, you know, I don't want to get political, but a woman takes a year off, right, paid by right. the government when yep. you're pregnant no, I... and you have your baby, and you know, socialized medicine and all that kind of stuff. So we won't go down politics, but let's just say, you know. A couple, a young couple like us having a kid in San Francisco when you have no support system. Right. And frankly, living there is expensive. You need two incomes. Exactly. It's not, it's, you know, so when, you know, my wife and I got married there and lived a good life there for four years as a young couple. And I was. Is your wife, is your wife American? She's Canadian. My wife is okay. from here. Okay. But uh, we were dating. I went down there first for a three month job assignment that turned into four years. And then she would only come down if I put a ring on her finger. So I did. <laughs> and 20 years later, we we're still together, so that was a nice. good move. Uh, but yeah, when it was time to have kids, we wanted to have kids closer to grandparents, closer to cousins, right. and we came home. So imagine two people who love music, who love metal, in their mid-20s, uh, living in a place like San Francisco, when you don't got to worry about a babysitter. And, and San Francisco, unlike Boston, is a very compact city. It's mm -hmm. like seven miles by seven miles. Well, Boston's pretty compact, too. Not you not can, as compact, but it's it's not New York City or L.A. Yeah, uh, and San Francisco is a bit like New York, where you can just like leave your home or leave your hotel if you live in because we lived right in downtown San Francisco, where you walk any number of blocks that way, that way, that way, or that way. Well, you don't want to walk that way, but three of the ways you could walk, and there's a club with music, <laughs> right. and yeah. you know, and then the Bay Area, right? You know, Death Angel, Exodus, Testament, yeah, all the good so, stuff, like, all like you know. I don't know if you've seen the documentary Murder in the Front Row. I have. The area scene, but uh, it's it's amazing. And I got to know a lot of those guys on the scene a little bit and hang out. And it's really a crazy thing to, to be amid the San Francisco scene, you know, and to uh, see. You know, I was there the night Exodus got back together with Bailoff. I was there when Death Angel got back together, their first reunion show, because it was a benefit for Chuck Billy, who had con cancer at the time. Right. So the whole, it's such, it was such, you know, being taken from Montreal, which was a cool place for metal, but going to San Francisco, which is like the epicenter, or one of the epicenters of metal in the U.S. Yes. And, and the epicenter for the thrash scene was just really, really something else. I mean, if you're in San Francisco in those days, you know, the guy, like Kirk Hammett, will just show up at an Exodus show, and you know, right. okay, you know, now he's on stage. Show and and you know, but it's crazy. You don't see that yeah. anyplace else. You know, now right. the other guys in Metallica aren't as cool, uh, but Kirk and Jason were cool, and and you know, like literally, if Exodus would be playing, you know, ten minutes before the show, Kirk would just show up and be there on the side of the stage or be at the soundboard. And the funny thing is, if that happened anywhere else, people would be freaking out. Ah, Kirk Hammett from Metallica. But in San yeah. Francisco, it's like this normal occurrence, and like, oh yeah, it's Kirk from Metallica. He's yeah, always here. yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's it kind of like it that was... with the Aerosmith guys here. You know, you see Joe. Yeah, yeah. Like, probably a lot of the same thing. Yeah, probably a lot of the same thing. Yeah, because it's funny. Again, when I used to spend my time in Boston, and uh, I, I had a girlfriend who was there, and I spent time in Boston. It's like everyone's everyone knew. Oh yeah, I'm Tom Hamilton's barber, and I'm uh, you know, you know. 
Brad Whitford. Brad Brad Whitford's cousin is my son's teacher. What like everyone yeah. on an Aerosmith yeah, story. Everybody knows. Everybody's Not uh, Peter Wolf. Peter Wolf from the Jake Osbad must be the most connected person ever. Like every everyone I knew there knew Peter everybody, Wolf. Everybody, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And because it, it's because it is kind of a small well, San Francisco is the Boston of the West, right? That's what they call yeah. it. You know, and it's um, it's funny. But that's a that. it's a great town. Um I had friends that live there. They live in Hawaii now, but I was there in ninety seven. I think it was the last time I was there. And I love San Francisco. I just think it's a great town. Yeah. I mean, if I could, uh, if I was a billionaire and I could live anywhere, I'd probably live there and, uh, you know, have nannies for the kids back in the day and all that kind of stuff. Because, yeah. And, and we actually, a couple years ago, we took the kids back when they were still like early teenagers, just, or even before they were teenagers. So they would kind of understand where mom and dad kind of lived. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool. They loved it. You know, they loved it. You know, dragged them to a baseball game, a Giants game. That was great. You know, and yeah. uh, and actually, I went to see Ace Freely when I was there. So I, the, see, the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're like, oh, what's in town? Okay. But yeah, exactly. The day the day after we flew in, I said to my wife, you know, do you mind if like you stay home with the kids in the hotel tonight? And you know, I just noticed Ace Freely is playing in Berkeley. Can I go? Yeah, sure. And you know, so one day I'm in Montreal. The next day I'm in Berkeley, California at Ace Freely playing in a small club, you know, That's on our trip there a few years ago. So yeah, San Francisco's is that kind of place. You just yeah. open up the music papers. Remember those? There used to be like music yep. papers on every corner and yep. oh yeah, this is what's happening in Berkeley. This is what's happening, you know, wherever. And uh, yeah, so oh, I want to get back to it. But yeah, San Francisco definitely rekindled my love of all things metal. And I, I saw so many great shows there, you know, uh, and even non-metal. We, my wife's a big Stevie Nicks fan. We saw Stevie mm -hmm. Nicks there and, uh, I'm a big Leonard Skinner fan, and they would always yep, play there. Too. You know, Sammy Hagar's yeah, the area, and he'll do kind of just pop-up shows here and there. You exactly. know, so that was a lot of fun. So yeah, I like yeah. everything. I don't like disco, but I like pretty much. I can pretty much deal with anything else or the new rap. I'm not really into that, but yeah. But I will say, Cool and the Gang opening for Van Halen on their last tour. I didn't mind that, even though it was kind of disco. It was kind of fun. Yeah, that is kind of that's kind of fun. Did, so did you see? Um, did you did you see David David Lee Roth with Kiss? Did you see that? No. Show? So so Kiss actually played here twice on the farewell tour because the first one sold out so well. I think Montreal is one of the few cities that got two shows because they said no one would get two shows. But we got the Painter both times. So uh, yeah, I wish. So we got the Painter opening act and then the Painter opening act again. And then I think it's the next leg. They did a few shows of David Lee Roth, and that's when everything stopped. Although David Lee Roth isn't David Lee Roth anymore. No, uh, no. So they played in New Hampshire. And, you know, my friend asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of wish I had now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, David Lee Roth never could sing anyway. And it just, uh, you know, I saw some stuff on YouTube. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty, you know, a good friend of mine went to see his uh, residency in Vegas. And if you're going to see Dave, you're you're going to see him hold court, you know, because it's a bit of a it's a bit of a court jester, right, like telling right. jokes, telling stories, right. Right. and and he'll be backed by a great band, but yeah, he look he never had a voice to begin with. He just had a, a character, right, uh, persona, yeah, yeah, exactly, and uh, and that with age, you know, his voice certainly hasn't got better, but you know, right. look, some people love Dave, some people dislike Dave. I, I don't mind Dave. Look, I would have preferred to see Dave opening for Kiss at my shows and have a painter as the opening act. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I'm sure I wouldn't have been blown away, but it would just would have been nice no, it, to be. I mean, that, that's what I was thinking. Well, I probably should have gone just for the nostalgia of it all. I, you know, probably should have gone. Because, I mean, I saw them back in the, you know, back in the day, yeah. you know. And 
but you know, it's, I, I talk to people about that all the time. I mean, this sort of thing about the whole Motley Crew. Like, I have no interest in going to see the Motley Crew. The, the big stadium the thing? stadium tour or whatever it's see, called. I thought, I thought about, see, I've never been to a show at Fenway, and I thought, do I go to that, or do I go to the one at Yan- Yankee Stadium? So I, I thought about it, but, yeah, like, again, I, I've seen Motley Crue, I've seen Def Leppard, uh, I've seen Poison, yeah. uh, I've seen Joan Jett, you know, so I've seen all those bands in smaller venues, you know? Right, uh, right. You know? Although so. Fenway, I love seeing shows at Fenway. Fenway is great. And you were saying something online about that you'd never seen Billy Joel. And I've seen Billy Joel at Fenway. He loves to come to Fenway. Well, I think we're going to win. Yeah, so I, you're right. So there was a chat I was having with someone the other day. Because I had I saw Elton John a number of years ago in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And a friend, and a common friend of ours asked if I had seen him with Billy Joel. And I wish. Yeah, I've never seen Billy Joel. And Billy hasn't played here in a long time. See, Billy does those uh, residencies at Madison Square right. Garden. Right, but he comes. He he comes to Fenway every single year. Yeah, see, I every love. See, I love Fenway. See, I again being a sports fan. Also, actually, it was that same trip when I went to see Ozfest in Mansfield. I dragged my pregnant wife to do the behind-the-scenes tour of Fenway. You know. Oh, I was just gonna ask if you did that. Yeah, I. Yeah, because I mean, the, everybody uh, the every time people town, come here, so, I'm like, you have to do that. Yeah, so and I, I loved it. You know, went to the top of the Green Monster, and so and back then I don't think they did many shows, but lately it seems like every summer they have. You know, like. They'll do, yeah. they'll leverage the same stage and same crew and they'll do, like, I know this year, I think they were going to do Aerosmith one night and New Kids on the Block the next or something like that, just yep. to leverage the yeah. stage. Yeah. And, so, yeah, yeah, so and Aerosmith we... show has been postponed to September and we'll see if it, if it happens, but it's, you know, that's supposed to be in September, but yeah, that's supposed to do that. But I, yeah, I was like, uh, this, that, first of all, the tickets were outrageously expensive and I was, and you know, you want to talk about somebody who's never really had a voice and really has less of a voice now is Vince Neil. Yeah. So I was oh, just yeah. like, you know, I don't, I'm kind of all set with this. I don't, I don't think I need to. And we were going to see Kiss at Download this, this past summer. They were playing Download and Iron Maiden was playing there and we were going and we were meeting a bunch of our Maiden buddies who live in, in Long Island. They were all flying over as well. And we were all going to, you know, get together and stuff. And so my friend who goes to a lot of the Maiden shows with me has never seen Kiss. And she doesn't, she was like, oh, I didn't really care about him in the day, but you know, it'll be fun to see him, you know. As long as we're at download, we might as well see them, you know. Yeah, for sure. Kiss are a lot of fun. I mean, that's a look. They are a lot of fun. My, They're my wife's favorite band since she was like eight years old. So us missing a Kiss show just doesn't happen. It's one of those things. She'll, right. I, I can drag her along to something she might be less enthusiastic about, like a Slayer show. But we're going to Kiss. And actually, usually when we go to Kiss, we're going in style. We're going like seats right by the side of the stage or on the, in the th- last time we saw them, we were third row. Uh, right. But, but the one thing about Kiss, and I... Like people will say to me, like kind of the snobby musician guys uh, will be kind of like, well, you know, they're using tapes and Paul Stanley can't sing anymore. I'm like, dude, you know, when I go see Kiss, it's like when I go to it's like when I took my kids to the Ringling Brothers Circus, you know, I I know what it is. I know I'm not being right. cool. I know exactly what I'm getting. Right. But I'm going for the spectacle. I'm going right. for the confetti. Going I'm, for I'm, the going experience. For the, I'm going for flying over the crowd. I'm like the, this last tour had more pyro. I look, I've been to hundreds of shows. I have never seen more pyro at a show than the Kiss Farewell tour. Yeah, you know, I, I've never seen Hamstein, and apparently they have more pyro they than do. Kiss. They have a lot of pyro, uh, too. But, but so, and and that's why I go, you know, that's why I go. So, Kiss, love them or hate them. Look, they're good songs, right? Right, and they bring you back. I mean, we're of a certain age where we grew up. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but. For me, Kiss was like 
Kiss is pretty much everybody's gateway, right, to, to rock music, to metal music. Yeah, whether you if know it or not. If you're of a certain age, you know, yeah. you're... That. Rock and roll all night, right? We all heard it. You know, we all probably heard rock and roll all night on the radio, and even we might not have even known who it was at the time. Right. You know, but, right. but yeah, it was. You know, look, I think most of our gateways are Kiss, ACDC, you know, Aerosmith, right? Uh, you know, those kinds of bands, and then that leads you down the rabbit hole, you know, to other things, you know. Right, and that's and you know, so I mean, when I when I go there, it's. It's the whole nostalgia of it all. It's all I used to be in the Kiss Army, and it's you know it's the whole thing. Yeah. It's it's not, and you know, and that's why I mean, like maybe maybe the David Lee Roth would have been it would have been entertaining, you know, because it would have been sort of nostalgic. I I don't know, but you just can't it, expect it to be like it was, and that's the problem. No, I think a lot no, of people, you can't. Like because I've seen a lot of these bands every single tour, either I've seen them stay the same or I've seen them decline. So if I choose to go to Motley Crue, again, I know. I saw Motley Crue for the first time in 85. And I know if I see them now, I'm not going to see 1985 Vince Neil. I, I know that, you know. But right. some people are blessed with good genes, you know. Like, honestly, if I see a Maiden show now, okay, it's not exactly the same as it was in 84 or 86. But they can still pull things off at a pretty high level. Yes. Whereas Motley, I'm going to hear the old songs. But I know Vince is going to sing every other word and the crowd's going to sing every other word. And I know, you know, he's put on a few pounds, so he's going to huff and puff his way around the stage. And it's just, it is what it is. You know, it, exactly. is, what, it is what it is, you know. Exactly. You, you, I just wish just, it wasn't uh, so expensive. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I guess the people I feel sorry for are the ones who aren't as hardcore as us. So they went in 85 and now they're only going now and they haven't really kept up. Right. So they don't even know which bad members have come and gone or they don't know that you know, so-and-so can't pull it off anymore. You know, like, I, I have friends, you know, we were talking, I was talking about this to a friend, because like, I celebrated the anniversary of a Journey show that I saw 15 years ago in Montreal, their 30th anniversary, but Steve Ogieri uh, mm-hmm. was on vocals. Yeah. And a, and a friend of mine said to me, yeah, I went to that show, but I had no clue Steve Perry wasn't in the band. What? So, well, look, shame on you if you, but there's yeah. so many, of all these bands, right, the Motleys, the Journeys, a lot of these bands, people just know the hit songs. Right. They're not us. They're That's not like you and I. And they went back then, and they think they're seeing the same thing now. And they just don't, you know, they're not on the internet every day. They're not on chat groups or different things, right. you know. So right. they haven't kept up with it. So, uh, you know, well, do your research, I'll, folks. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I went to see Black Sabbath um, at Great Woods in, in Boston with my brother-in-law, and um, my husband had passed away in 2009 and I had, or we already had, cause you get tickets so far in advance. I had these tickets and I didn't really have anybody to go with. And Paul was kind enough to say, I'll go, I'll take you. We'll go together. You know, first of all, he kept telling everybody he was going to see Ozzy going to see. I said, listen, he's not going to be singing crazy train. Okay. This is Sabbath. But he didn't sort of understand. He just was like, I'm going to see Ozzy. I'm going to see Ozzy. I'm going to see Ozzy. Yeah. All right. No, well, Ozzy started with Black Sabbath, you know. You so do, right, right, but he didn't. He didn't like. There was no. He didn't get you it. Do your Jack Black school of rock and explain everything to him, you know. <laughs> so I was like, all right, fine, whatever. So we go to the show, and it was so hot that day. It was so hot. And it's an amphitheater, and it was so hot. And we're standing there, you know. There, I don't even remember what song it was, but Tony Iommi had on this really long leather coat, right? 
And Paul turns to me and he says to me, I cannot believe that that guitar player is wearing that leather coat in this heat. And I was like, that guitar player? Where do you think? Who do you think? That? I was stunned. I was like, do you know who that is? And That's then the I thought about it. And I looked around the amphitheater and I thought to myself, how many people here do know who that is or care who that is or understand, like, I'm so geeky, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, I, I'm obviously the, the geek here, you know, but he was probably in the majority and I was probably in the minority. But it's a, a bit sad, I guess, when you think about it. I mean, and I, I look, you know, it's funny. When Ozzy was in the decline in the late 80s and early 90s, he would play our smaller arena here or he'd play the forum and it'd be half mm -hmm. full. Before the pandemic, Ozzy was doing his umpteenth farewell tour yeah. at 72 years old or whatever. And it was sold out in minutes. And, you know, so he's drawing better than ever before. But you just know, because I've been to shows with these people. Yeah, they're the casual fans who right. sees Ozzy as a reality TV star. Right. And they know, and they know Crazy Train and a few right. other songs. That, yeah. But that's it. You know, and they're there because it's Ozzy. And, and you know, really like I said, know. he he's doing me a favor. He could give a shit less about you know, Sabbath or Ozzy for that matter, to be honest with yeah. you. And um, the New England Patriots, they always come out to Crazy Train. So everybody in New England knows that song. Um, you know, and what's funny is after the show, we're in the parking lot leaving and there are people who are lamenting about the fact that he didn't play Crazy Train and he didn't play, like, like you didn't, did you not know where you were? Like, it was just funny, yeah. you know? And, I, I remember seeing Metallica here and on that particular tour, every night they were doing like a different deep cut mm -hmm. as the first encore. I love it. I love when they, they do the played, deep cuts. And they played Blitzkrieg here in Montreal. And That's I vividly kind of, I like the people watch when I'm at shows, you know, like yeah, I, one of the things too. I do. And I, and I just saw as they started playing Blitzkrieg, the first few bars, kind of people over to my side, one guy melted the other guy. What is that? Like, you know, so they knew the Enter Sandmans right, and the Nothing right. Else Matters. Right. And, that kind of stuff. Right. But, you know, they, they're playing Blitzkrieg and, and people don't know it, which is, right. wow. No, you know? no, it's the same thing. I mean, I saw that the same thing and they did Trapped Under Ice and people sat down and people went to get a beer and people went to the bathroom. It's like, are you all right? Like, right. <laughs> and that's the thing. And, and I'd like, rather go to the bathroom during Enter Sandman, personally. <laughs> and I wait for that stuff. See, like, I, I saw Master, I, I saw Metallica on the Master Tour at a small Me place. Too. And like, and I wait for it. I wait for that stuff. You know, I, I have a friend online that I argue with because he's younger. And for him, Aerosmith didn't start until permanent vacation, oh. you know. And and for me, I'm like, dude, if they toured and they stopped the set list at like 1986, if they didn't do, if, if the show was the beginning of their career up to, let's say, let's the mu let the music do the talking. Oh, my I'd, God. I'd be happy. I you always tell both. people, I, I went to the permanent vacation tour. And Montreal was one of the first shows on the tour. And Dude Looks Like a Lady wasn't a hit yet. The video was just released that week. So, But because of that, the show was like the best Aerosmith set list I've ever seen. Because it pretty much was the start of their career. Exactly. Up Permanent Vacation. But they barely played anything from Permanent Vacation because the album just came out. So right. for me, that was the perfect Aerosmith show. They and do play a lot of deeper cuts because they're from Boston. So they kind of know that people have been with them for a I long know, time here. But... I've so seen they're a little bit lot. better about about that here, but still, but yeah, it's the same thing. And, yeah. and you're right. I, I mean, saw they them only in San know. San Jose and in San Francisco, and I've seen them in Montreal. And the thing is, 
they're look, they should be grateful to their newer fans, the guy I was referring to. But see, he's the opposite. He wants to hear nothing before permanent vacation. Right. And he wants to hear jaded and pink and don't want to miss a thing. And like, I just want to like shoot myself in the foot when they play those songs. Yep. I mean, I can yep. take them in small doses, but Me I don't too. want three quarters of the show to be that, you know? I don't, so. I would, yeah, don't waste, don't waste time with that nonsense. <laughs> and I, I, I won't, I'm frankly, like if they tour now, like honestly, Aerosmith, I will, I will check the set list before I will spend money on an Aerosmith show. Because I just don't want to hear them play Jaded. And I don't want to hear them play What It Takes. And, like, and, and you know, again, I saw the Pump Tour and that was great. But I kind of got off the bus there. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, good, great band. But, like, uh, my God. Uh, you know, again, people sitting down during uh, Seasons of Wither. Or, like, you know, like, what is yeah. wrong with you? What you are know? you doing? Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, like I said, because they're from Boston, it's a little bit different here. And, like, they were, like I said, they were playing Fenway. And my friend and I were supposed to go to the show. And now it's been moved to September. And to see Aerosmith at Fenway is going to be a fun you know, it'll be fun, but yeah, I can, happen, I, I'm so. all set with, I'm all set with the outside writers, the hit makers or whatever, whoever those, you know, yeah. Diane Warren, Diane and, Warren and, Child and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Bert Bacharach or whoever else it was that was Death child writing, for sure. Yeah. Writing it, writing this stuff. Yeah. I, I can do without, I can do without that stuff. So are your kids metalheads? No. And it's probably my fault because I kind of forced it on them a little bit when they were younger. So when my kids, like I have great pictures of me and my son and my daughter. My kids' first show was Kiss on the Monster Tour. They were like eight eight and seven. And so we, I wanted to explain to them what a rock concert was. So we got them ear protection. We got seats that were kind of in the middle tier, middle bowl, but over the stage. So they could take it all in. And the funny thing is, on the way back to our car, I have a friend who's one of those autograph guys who like sells them on ebay so he always knows where the bands are staying and it so happened that kiss were staying at a hotel right next to the parking lot where i parked my car so we're walking out of the show and i see my friend there and he's like yeah kiss are gonna be here any minute so my friend gave my kids eight and seven albums to get signed because a lot of times bands won't sign for the professional autograph seekers right sure enough they come out of their van because they left the stage went to the van came right back to the hotel right and, uh, you know, they signed vinyl for my son and my daughter, who were eight and seven at the time. Paul Stanley didn't want to talk to anybody. And he had his assistant give my daughter a guitar pick. I have pictures of all of this. Like, he couldn't have been nicer to my kids. But that was my kid's first show. So mm-hmm. then my kids think that at every show, every show is like a <laughs> kiss We're going to meet show. the band. Every, every show is like a kiss show. And then you walk back to the car and the band pops out of a limo and you meet them and take pictures of them and get things signed. So that's what my kids think at eight and seven who can blame them. It was their first, that's right. literally what happened. Right. So then their second show, again, my, my girl liked to sing and stuff. So I took them to see heart nice. and they thought that was the most boring thing that they've ever seen in their lives because you spoiled them. It was a, there were no, there was no pyro and nobody right. levitated, right. nobody spit right. blood, uh, you know, and uh, it was a great musical show. It was actually, right. It was Heart with the Jason Bonham Led Zeppelin thing, yep. you know? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, that, that was a great show. They, that didn't quite compute the same way Kiss did for an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old. They were a couple years older at the time. And then and then that was it for my daughter. You know, then she got into the Katy Perry and all that kind of stuff that all the young girls like. Right. And my son, he toughed it out. He came to see Rush's last show with me, and he actually really enjoyed that. Really? that's Now, that, that's a show that a lot of kids will be like, oh, really? <laughs> He's seen Def Leppard with me a couple times. 
you know, uh, but uh, yeah, but then he just, you know, you get into high school and, yeah. you know, the least cool thing you can do in high school is like what your parents like, right? Exactly. So, you know, there it's it's, you know, all That's the I mean, you should I mean the legacy of the beast, they probably would have enjoyed that. There was a lot of props and a lot of Yeah, you know, maybe, you know, maybe of... but again, like now it's kind of, you know, they're at, they're at the age my kids are 16 and 14, so like, you know, they're doing their own thing. Yeah. I'm not their hero anymore, and that's okay, and uh, you know, you, you know, they you follow the crowd a little bit and Right. You know, the weekend is playing the Super Bowl halftime show tomorrow, and that's very exciting. And, you know, so it's okay. You got to let people find their way musically. I didn't and... even know that that was one guy. I thought the weekend was a band. Yeah, like I, I you know, yeah, I, I kind of know that because it's been Because you have kids. I don't, have, I don't yeah. have kids. I have 13 yeah. nieces and nephews, and I don't have one single metalhead. I'm like, really? Not one of you? <laughs> so, so I have some good concert memories with them. Kiss, Heart. Def Leppard, and my son came to see Def Leppard, Poison, and Tesla with me. Uh, Rush. But uh, actually, he, the last show he saw with me was 2017, Scorpions and Megadeth. Oh, so, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. So so I always remind him, whenever he gets a little bit too lippy about his rap, I'm like, just remember, you've seen Megadeth. That makes you infinitely cooler than any of your friends, you know? So, so uh, yeah. So uh, good, good memories, but now they're finding their own way. And you know what? With the price of tickets these days... I'm fine yeah. going myself or just going. Yeah, there you, going there you go. Like, I don't, I don't want to pay a hundred bucks for you if you're not going to like it. So, it, well, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you'd be, you know, 500, excuse me, $500 later. Oh know, yeah. Like that, even back then before. when we did that kiss show as a family of four, it was pricey, you know, but yeah, like I said, yeah. as far as good, first shows go, it's pretty good for a show. Yeah. So your wife, so your wife is a metalhead. Do you, is that something that you all, that you looked for? Like, are all you? Do all your girlfriends have to be metalheads, or well, your wife now? They don't have to be, but you know, like you know how it is when you're a teenager or younger, right? Like we kind of just, you know, we go to clubs, or you know, you tend to hang out at school with the people like that, or you right. kind of go to clubs and you meet people. So I think people kind of gravitate to each other. And you know, my wife's metalhead-ish. You know, I mean, she has other musical things that she likes too. But yeah, I mean, but I, you know, when we we kind of met off and on back in our late teen, early twenties. And was kind of hanging out at a local rock club in Montreal yeah. that we would kind of see each other, you know, sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, ran into her at a Skid Row show when we didn't know each other, but we had friends in common. So, yeah. Right. So, look, I don't think it's a mandatory thing, but, it, you know, it's kind of fun to, uh, yeah. you know, to yeah. go to shows with your significant other. Well, and yeah, look, I mean, oh. the, the, I went to shows with my significant other and I, because I, I, I have a lot of friends who have, you know, their wife doesn't doesn't like it at all and doesn't go to any shows with them and says, oh, that's your thing, you know, you know, so I was like, all right, I go to shows with them because, you know, the wife would rather, you know, rather be, be at home. Yeah. Not I mean, and look, there's some, look, you know, I remember we went to see the cult at a, at a nice kind of Orpheum kind of club here in Metropolis. And she was kind of like, yeah, I want to go see an Asprey shake his hips, you know, <laughs> but, but if I go see, uh, you know, a show at the Piranha Bar, if I go see, uh, you know, Troubled or Grim Reaper or whatever, She's like, yeah. eh, I'll stay home for that. You know, yeah. you go boys, you know? So that's cool. Yeah. That's right. No, oh, that's good. That's, that's, that's a and, good. And I've gone to Stevie Nicks with her and she kind of got me into Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac and, and that sort of thing. And like, uh, she really likes Sting and I got her tickets. We went to see Sting together. And, uh, but like, honestly, like I, I'm, I'm a musical person. I grew up on my parents' vinyl and stuff like that. Like, you know, like I, I'm kind of connected here in Montreal and I have access to good tickets and stuff. And like my, my, my best accomplishment is not getting tickets for myself, 
but it's getting my mom front row Barry Manilow tickets for from oh, Connections yeah. and like getting her to see Barry Manilow. So you know, you know, I kind of just like you know whatever people get off on, that's cool, you know. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I like I like all kinds of stuff. Like I, I um, I really like Tom Jones, and so my I have a friend Mary who's not a metalhead at all, but she likes Tom Jones, and we went to see him at the Orpheum a few years back, and it was just a fun night, you know. Yeah, how could you not have a good time listening to it's not unusual or Delilah or yeah stuff? You gotta dig that, you know. And it's that's so. So I'm like, see, I'm not even so. Yes, metal is the most pleasing music to my ears, but. Mm. Anything that's like kind of original and fun and lively, you know, for me, there's two kinds of music, you know, you know, music that's pleasing to your ears and music that's not, you know, two kinds. I like it or I don't like it. It right. doesn't need to be into categories. And, you know, working for some of these metal mags and metal websites I've worked over the years, sometimes the biggest thing that you're up against is, you know, why are you writing about the Motley Crue concert? You know, death to false metal, write about Manowar. Yeah. Right. Write about Manowar. Manowar is like, lame you know it's like you know it's like i don't want to write about that so you should just you know, write about what you what you want to write about i mean if you yeah. were into extreme metal then you're going to write about that if you're whatever you're into you know well and a lot I, of the i'm not a fan stuff. of this whole all these sub genres and all of this because we didn't have that growing up right we didn't i mean we called it glam metal we didn't even call it hair metal you know and there was it was speed metal it wasn't thrash it was speed metal and there wasn't like all these other weird I mean, it was starting, it was, but it wasn't like it is now. I mean, there's just like these subgenres. I'm like, I've never even heard. I don't even, I don't even know what degent is. Yeah, I mean, emo and degent, and like, uh, you know, and, and now even look, we kind of know what grunge and death and doom and stone raw. I know, but yeah, but it's just like there's black metal, black and death metal, technical black metal, melodic death metal, like really, yeah, symphonic <laughs> death metal. Yeah, it's pretty much everything. No, I know, but, uh, but like that's all- that's. We love as a society, especially these days, to put things in a little bucket, in a little category, you know? So, uh, and then, you know, again, working a little bit in the media, you know, if you have a magazine, the whole idea is, it's rare that you'll see a magazine just one genre. Like you mentioned, right. I, I did a little bit of writing for Brave Words, right. which was a popular magazine back in the day, and now it's a popular website. Right. But to have appeal like that, you need to write a bit about poison and a bit about sabotage and a bit about iron maiden and yeah maybe even a little bit about corn you know and right. you kind of put that all together and then people visit your site or they buy exactly. your magazine you know right. so and, they, and people will pick and choose what article they want to listen what you got to be a little tolerant and you can't be the the death the false metal guy you know so which and maybe that's kind of why yeah like i'll go see sting one night and i'll go see megadeth the next and that's it's cool you know it's yeah. all cool yeah, that's how that's how that's how I feel. That's how I feel too. Because I, I, I mean, maybe because I'm a little bit older that I don't, I don't. A lot of the newer stuff. I mean, although I try to keep up with new bands. Yeah. You know, and I like I like some death metal and some black metal, but probably more the older than the newer. You know, but I like I don't I don't like grindcore too much, or you know, like Slipknot's pretty much the only new metal I I like. So, I, you I, know, I, we have heavy Montreal here where yes. we were hiking it every summer. Yes. And that's been a good avenue for me to kind of check out some younger, newer bands mm-hmm. as it's usually three or four stages. And obviously the bands playing in the forest stage at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, they're not a big band. Right. But they might be a big band three years from now. 
And that's kind of right. like how OzFest was founded, right? Exactly. If you look at the early exactly. A lot of the bands that played the side stage early in the day. That was the first time I saw Slipknot. Yeah, Disturbed, Slipknot. Uh, Corn. Deftones. And same thing. So I, I, at some of these festivals, you know, like, I don't mind Five Finger Death Punch. I don't mind Kill Switch Engage. I don't mind some of these bands, you know? But the thing I find of these new bands, and, and, and think about it. Again, we're going to show our age a little bit. The album used to be a thing. Oh, Iron Maiden are doing the Egyptian thing on this album. And they're doing the futuristic thing on this album. And albums had like, were a collection of songs that kind of like just made sense together. Right. Now I find, okay, I might like a Five Finger Death Punch song. Or I might like a Kill Switch Engage song. Right. But if I put on the album, yeah. I can't get through the album. You know, it's yep. just like. It's, exactly. It's, it's too well, and that's unfortunately young people that's what they're doing now they're downloading one song you can buy one song you don't have to buy the whole album they will never know the joy that we knew of going to the record store and like you know taking the plastic off the vinyl or off the cassette or the cd right. in the long box when they started you know and uh yeah they'll never know that joy and then just you know taking in listening to the album all in one sitting okay i like side one better than i like side two right you know, right. that just and reading yeah, the looking at the artwork, and reading the liner notes. And yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole different it's a whole different approach. And I use like, you know, I have Spotify or whatnot and and I'll listen to it on when I'm home. Like I'm I have albums. I have CDs. I don't that's what I listen to at home. I don't I'm not listening to stuff on my phone when I'm at my house. Yeah, I will in my car or if I'm working out or something. But yeah, but I still have, you know. Look, I have a record player here. I have a cassette player here. I have right. a CD player here. So and and yeah, the kids won't understand that my mom, my uh, my my family bought me like a uh, turntable a few years ago for Christmas, mm -hmm. and it was great because I was able to dust off some old vinyl and even acquire. Yeah, used yeah, vinyl. I got one a couple of years ago too because mine had I finally died. What it was like to just drop the needle, but then before the music starts for a second, you have that crackle. Yeah, it starts and yeah. it takes you. Right back, you know, sounds and smells take us back to our youth. Exactly. And I forgot what it was like to drop a needle, hear the crackle and the static, and then the music starts. So, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. so yeah. That's, that's our common love of music, I guess. You know. Absolutely. So, how did you um? How did you get into to do the, your gig at Brave Words? How did you get? How did you get into the whole? Because you know, you're not a, I mean, your day job, you're not a journalist. Yeah, or? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a business executive, you know, and I always liked writing. And, and you know, okay. it was just, it's, it's, it is weird, you know, it's just, you know, the metal community is kind of, I, I will say, we're a cool community. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're a musician, a crew guy, a well-known journalist, or just a fan. You could all just wind up sitting, having a beer next to someone talking. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you have kind of a relationship, whether it's right. like a phone relationship or a Skype relationship or a pen pal or whatever it was right. back in the day. Right. So just, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends growing up had moved to Toronto and he was on the scene there. So he knew uh, like everyone who was on the Toronto scene. Like I remember Glenn Drover had just joined Megadeth and like my friend would be like, yeah, Glenn Drover like just came over to my house to borrow some CDs, you know? So when, when I was in Toronto, he would just introduce me to people on the Toronto scene. And mm -hmm. some of the people on the Toronto scene were Tim Henderson, who runs Brave Words and were Martin Popoff, who's like a very well-known author in the heavy yeah. metal world. So, you know, one day I'm just a guy. And the next day I'm sitting next to... Tim Henderson and Martin Popoff, and they're taking me backstage to meet Ronnie James Dio at a Dio concert we were all at in Toronto, uh, wow. just because of the relationship with a common friend. Right. 
and then one thing led to another and and you know and and tim's like you know it'd be really cool to have somebody you know in in like the bay area who can just mm-hmm. you know write something up so right yeah so every every now and then you know either i would you know because i was in california i'd get access to news so i'd right. you know i would give brave words some news i was privy to and then they'd have it as an excuse uh, an exclusive and then yeah started doing a bit of writing so if you you know and then that led to uh I just submitted on my own whatever review I might write for Brave Words. I would send to KNAC, which used to be a very popular metal yep. radio station in Los Angeles, yes. and became a popular website and, and streaming music. Uh, and they would c- kind of publish concert reviews. So just I started getting known uh, for just kind of these little freelance articles that I would, you know, free. I underline the word free and freelance <laughs> that I would give to Brave Words that I'd give to KNAC. Yeah. But it just got me, it got me connected to people. So then, right. you know, you start doing that and you get comped for shows and you you meet other people, you meet guys in bands, you meet guys in crews and, and it's right. weird. So now with Facebook, you know, I might have, you know, you know, guys in the media world or guys in bands who I knew kind of years ago, just met them haphazardly. And now they're like my Facebook friends, you know, like right. I, I, I joke like John Zazula, like my wife would be like, who's this John Zazula guy that you're friends with on Facebook? I'm like, dear, he signed Metallica, <laughs> you know, and like, just, yeah. you know, and it's like, I don't know. It's weird to have like, I'm, you know, there's, there's actually bands that I saw as a teenager that now like band members are Facebook friends of mine just because, you know, and, and the thing is as metal declined in popularity, sadly, they needed people who were working a bit in the media a little bit more. So that the barrier between let's say journalist fan and band kind of went down a little bit. Right. And they'll give you the time of day now for an interview in a smaller publication or a smaller website or whatever it might be. And, and, you know, and then, you know, and like I said, metal people are cool. It's kind of easy, but it's easy to become friends with a metal, with a metal head, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) exactly, exactly. I mean, like before, uh, for a long time, um, after Jeff passed away, I didn't have anybody to go to shows with and I would go by myself to shows. And so would and, I. In you know, you just go there and you talk to people and you make friends. And that's, I mean, my travel buddy, uh, my friend Tasha, I mean, we met because I had tickets to a Metallica show at Gillette. I had nobody to go with. And I just put something up online. I was like, is anybody in the Boston area interested? She's like, yeah. And I didn't know her. I mean, don't try this at home, kids. Don't jump into a car with yeah, somebody. Maybe, you know, maybe, but, yeah, maybe uh, 15 years ago that was okay. 10 years ago. Now, now it's a little, you know, now you have to reference yeah. whatever. But, uh, but, you know, I mean... Yeah, I mean that's how you, you that's how you um you make friends. One of my one of my closest friends now um uh, at work I, I work at Whole Foods and my friend came up to me and she said um Have you met the new guy over in Seafood? He's got an Iron Maiden tattoo and I went over to talk to him right away. Yeah, you know and now he's your new best work buddy. You know and that's yeah the way yeah and, and, is. and, 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 and we're when good I moved friends. To San Francisco, my wife's a nurse, so she was working a lot of night shifts and stuff when we lived in San Francisco, so she couldn't come to shows with me. So I went to a lot of shows myself in San Francisco also. But soon enough, I would see the same people. And right. next thing you know, yeah, Perrin, the guy from Montreal, he does the, you know, he writes a few things for Brave Work. Yeah. And, and, and I became, you know, right. metal people are happy to bring you into the community. Absolutely. If you're cool, you know, right. if, you, if you're a dick, you're like, no, you know, right. if you throw up on them, if you mosh into them, if you whatever. But if you're just right. cool and you talk like we're talking, right. you know, it's kind of easy to make friends. And then, you know, you swap stories of who you've seen and where you've right, gone right, kind of thing you know yeah and that's the way our and that's look the, you know i guess we started with you know what i love about metal and maybe we end there is kind of the our, our our sense of community that we have in metal is unlike 
any other kind of music. There is no other music where the fans form these communities and these bonds and where either even now with the use of technology that bands and fans are closer than ever before. Uh, you know, and, and look, you know, yes, the paid meet and greet is a thing for a lot of big bands. But I'll tell you, I see a lot of small bands and clubs uh, and, and even, you know, you know, Saxon, Halloween, bands that are pretty big in Europe, they'll they hang out. They hang out with yeah, their fans. Yeah, they have no, I, fans, you know, they're not going to charge you for a picture. You know, they're, they're not going to charge, no. you know, I mean, I, you know, and, and look, bands got to do what bands got to do. But there's no music that has the sense of community that we do, which is why I love, you know, getting on Skype with you and doing something like this and why I do a few other podcasts and, and why, you know, I love writing about it. And, right. you know, I, I can talk to you, but, you know, I can talk to Nigel, the drummer from Saxon, uh, you know, and be just as comfortable. So right, it's, right, right. Me too, me too. And that, that's, I, I love that too. That, that's, that's why I do this. And that's, that's what I, that's what I enjoy, you know, is just chewing the fat and talking about, you know, bands we've seen, bands we love, griping about bad production or, yeah. you know, or. <laughs> and soon we're going to have more to talk about again soon. So soon we'll have more new albums and more tours to talk about. So that'll be fun, you know. Yes, so I hope that uh, you will come back on and we will talk about some, maybe some new albums. We were talking on Facebook about the new Accept because you had yes. got it and then I got it and I was listening to it. I've listened to it a bunch of times and I have some thoughts on the on the, the subject. Yeah, we could do some rock reviews here and there when some new records come out. Yeah, we could definitely yeah. do that. I said soon we'll have tours to talk about. So I got one last question for you because we talked right. about sports. I want to understand the New England Boston point of view of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl tomorrow. Are the people of Boston cheering for Tom Brady to win one? Or he's not a patriot anymore, he's dead to us. I want to know what the prevailing most people is. most people are rooting for him. Cool. So I don't you, you want to talk about some hockey for a minute. So you might remember Ray Bork. Of right? course. I love Ray Bork. My son plays at the Ray Bork Arena and he Ray grew up uh, in the next town from me. So Ray was a Bruin for a very long time, and then he went to the Avalanche, yeah, right? The cup. Yeah. He won, won the cup. We had a rally for him in Boston at City Hall Plaza. Cool. That's great. So See, I, I, I like to hear that. That is, that's the real fans. I think that that's the example that we understood that the Bruins were not going to be winning a championship at that particular time, and that guy deserved it, and he could go someplace and win it. And that's that's what we wanted for him, right? So I mean when I tell people that story, when I say, yeah, we went to we had a rally for him, people are like, what? But it wasn't your team. I'm like, yeah, but it was our guy. That's so cool. I don't I know like that. that I don't know if we'll have a rally for Tom. Yeah, Tom's won wins. a lot, but no one's gonna feel bad for him if he doesn't win. But, but I mean, you know but yeah, yeah. People are um very much rooting rooting for him. Because he is our guy. Once, once you're Boston, you're always Boston. You never not, you know. Um, uh, Chara is now the Caps. Yeah, that's and crazy. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not too happy about that, but it is what it is. And and I don't want them to do better than us. But if somewhere down the road, let's say we're out of the playoffs and they're still in it, then you know, I'd I'd hope for him. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's no, cool. I like that because like I. I, like I know a lot of people who hate Tom Brady, and I'm like I don't love Tom Brady, but see, as a guy in my 40s, I want to see a guy in his 40s, you know, yeah. even though he's earlier in his 40s than I am. But 
You know, I want to see him go to another team, start from scratch, and win it. I think that's cool, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him. And I see a lot of people hating on it. And, like, you know, look, I don't think they're going to win. But if he wins, it's a hell of a story, you know? It is. It is. And, you know, I mean, listen, we've we've gone to the Super Bowl and not won, right? I mean, it's it's certainly happened. Um, so, oh, yeah, I, yeah I mean. Is rooting for Tom Brady. That's nice to hear. Yeah, right. for the most part. I mean, there are people who, you know, you're dead to me. But for the most for the most most part, you 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 see the, the the media is rooting for him and you you see the people on the street. You know, I work at a grocery store. I, you know, people come in and people are talking about the Super Bowl. And yeah, people are um, people are hoping that he does, you know, and, and, you know, and everybody loves Gronk. Right. Yeah, oh, for sure. And he's there too. No, so it's not, it's not just Tom. There too, you know? It's not just Tom. It's both of them. So, we, you know, we want them, you know, Good we boy. want them to win. Oh boy. Yeah, it'd be right. cool. Cool. Well, that's all. So, so Montreal and Boston are cheering for the Buccaneers tomorrow. So I got a question for you. Do you sure. do you speak French at home? I don't speak French at home. I speak French perfectly because I had to grow up speaking French. Right. So I, I'm, you know, we're we're English. You know, so we're we're we. My wife and I were both raised in English families. So our first our first language is English, but my wife and I both had to learn French in school to kind of work. Right. Like I said, she's a nurse. I'm a business person. Right. So our kids take French as a second language in school and it's just the way it is here. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So uh, we speak French as a second language at home. Like when the kids were young, my wife and I would speak French so they wouldn't know what we were talking about. Right. But then by the time they were six or seven and in school, they started to understand us and they'd say like, I know what you're saying. So I don't know now. Now they speak so, it, but no. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an English Quebecer. So I got one other question for you. Can you explain to me grade 13? Did you go to grade, did you have grade 13? Did you go to grade 13? No. Well, so what we have in Quebec, and it's different from the rest of Canada, here, high school ends at grade 11. So where you, whereas you guys have... 12. Yeah. Well, because, right, you have freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Right. We only have three years of high school. So you do your grade one to grade six, then you do middle school, grade seven and eight, then you only have three years of high school, but then you do something grade 12 and 13, essentially is a thing called SAGEP, which is like community college. So here, before you go to university, you have to graduate grade 11. Then you have to do two years, which is like 12 and 13 in like a smaller college setting, community mm-hmm. college, call it, then you can go to university. So I we, think that's it, great. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I actually, the most fun years of my life were the two years between high school and university when I went to college because, uh, you know, you kind of start to get your independence. You know, there's mm-hmm. no bells ringing or whatever, uh, but it's not as intense as university. So you can kind of ease into it. You're typically not living away from home or anything like that. Like, you know, right. they're, it's right in the community. So you're still, you know, living with mom and dad, most likely. Uh, but at the same time, you're starting to kind of just, you know, you got to be there when you be there. No one's going to ring the bell. No one's going to, like, tell you uh, you got to hand this in, you know, you just right. got to be an adult about it, you know? So right. it was good. I, I actually, I, I, like I said, those are the best years of my life. And those were a lot of, uh, actually a lot of metalheads in the college I went to and, you know, getting a little community there, you know? Yeah. So what did you, did you go to university in Montreal? I went to a school called Concordia University. That's uh, oh. the John Molson School of Business. So the Molson family who owns the Canadians and owns pretty much everything up here, you know, sponsored the business school mm-hmm. at Concordia University. So yeah, I went to the John Molson School of Business at Concordia University in Montreal. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to do this again. Like you see, like an hour goes by like nothing. We can kind of just metal. Absolutely. 
No? I, well, I can talk metal all. I pull out albums and yeah, it, we go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, absolutely. I can absolutely talk all day about about metal and and in general, you know, talk about anything really. Let me let me shut this off here. All right. I just wanted to jump in and thank Perrin for being on the show. I really appreciate it, and I hope that he will come back because I really did enjoy our chat. And I wanted to thank you guys for listening. And as always, until next time, be well. Oh, 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 o